0: Live. Live from New York.
1: To New York.
0: This is the Just End the Suffering podcast. For
1: the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his Follow me. Follow me Here's your host, Mike, Mike Phillips. Phillips. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast, which is New York sports talk and long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. It's finally here, folks. The NFL season's about to kick off. We got the game Thursday night. Chiefs-Texans kicking off the season. And I cannot wait to get into this. I'm going to be joined today by Mike Sando of The Athletic. We're going to preview the NFL season. Thoughts on the Jets. Thoughts on the Giants. All the storylines around the league. I'll talk about that with Mike in just a bit. I'm also going to welcome back our Showing the Money NFL Picks Challenge for year number three. Week one underway with the guy who wrapped up last year's pick segment, Nick Frietta. We're going to do the picks, give you our three for each. I'll give you a Survivor Pool pick as well. I have that coming for you as well. That's coming up in just a bit. Also, at the end of the show, we're going to get you into a little more football mood. The great Alan Austin is joining us today. We're going to do a pop culture rundown here of some good football movies, TV shows, and stuff to discuss to get you in the mood for more football. But we'll get it all started with this week's opening tip, where I want to get some thoughts here about the return of the NFL right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for
0: this? The opening tip. And here we go.
1: All right, we are back here, opening tip time, and just wanted to wait a little bit on the return of the NFL because this is one back when the pandemic started in March and all the others shut down. The NFL sort of felt like, okay, we'll be fine by the time they get here. By the time football comes back up, we should be in better shape as a country. Spoiler alert, we're not, but the NFL is here. The NFL has made it, and we are starting week one on schedule. And I'm a bit surprised, to be honest with you. Considering how much this country has been bad the coronavirus response, the testing's been awful, the NFL quietly has done a very good job getting it there. And the open season really snuck up on you because nobody misses the preseason games, but they were sort of little check marks along the way. You say, okay, you know, here's week one, here's the Jet Giant Snoopy Bowl, here's the Jets playing the Eagles week four and nobody cares. Those were all little check marks along the way. We had none of those, so it's kind of, you know, Sort of going on in the background, the MLB stretch run begins while the NBA and the NHL playoffs and the bubbles are proceeding. The NFL's kind of been quietly getting there, and all of a sudden, here they are. Some things we've learned during training camp, they have had a very low number of positive COVID tests. That's great. Very encouraging. But remember, back at MLB summer camp, we had the same thing, where nobody's testing positive. Once the season started, outbreak, 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 outbreak. We have five different teams already get stopped by COVID tests. That's something you got to keep an eye on here. And those games have led to a lot of reschedulings, and that's not something the NFL can do. The NFL can't say, okay, you're going to play a doubleheader next week. You can't you can't do that. Physically not possible. And you can't really reschedule easy because you play once a week, and then you impact teams getting ready for the next game. So where does that mean for the NFL? I don't know. They haven't said publicly what it would take to stop a team from playing. MLB, it's one test to shut you down for a couple of days. The NFL, I figure the threshold's probably higher because of how hard it is to reschedule the games. We'll see. The hope here you have as a football fan is that the NFL sort of has instituted this whole idea around their team is, hey, we're in our own sort of virtual bubbles here. During the week, you go to work, you go home, you don't go out in the community, you don't go shopping, you don't go to the bars, you don't go to the restaurants, you don't go to the movies, you're just hanging out and getting ready for football. Will we get a 17-week season? I'm not sure, because there's a lot of things that go wrong between now and the end of December. Will we get a representative season? I think we will, whether that's... 10 games, 12 games, 14 games, I think we will get a representative year. And I think it is going to be weird. I'll be the first to admit that when we don't have 70,000 screaming fans at Arrowhead Stadium opening night, we don't have Lambeau Field packed to the raft and people j- jumping into the stands to do the Lambeau Leap, we, even when we don't have people at Giant Jet games, it's going to feel weird. But you know what? The positive is here. It's still NFL football. We are still here on the first Sunday of the season. I cannot wait to get here Sunday. My fantasy drafts are in the books. I'm already getting ready for Chiefs-Texans week one. That's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait for that first Sunday at 1 o'clock. Plop down from the TV. Watch the Jets. Probably get killed by the Bills, but I'll be rooting for the Jets anyway. Watch the games from 1 to 7. Got a little Sunday Night Football in there. It's going to be nice. As I said, Jet fan, not optimistic, but watching football, it's going to be some kind of normalcy. And that's something we could all use. Considering how crazy things are, I think crazy things are going to get with the election coming up. Taking a moment to just enjoy a football Sunday. Even if you're not going out to the games this year, if you're just sitting at your house, you've got the TV fired up, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to talk more about the NFL in just a moment. We join Mike Sando at The Athletic right after this call from the ASC Championship game, courtesy of CBS's Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Who's hot? Second and ten as that Tennessee defense drops back. As long as try to make a diving in tip
0: dead by Holmes who tiptoes inside the 10. Still not down. Oh, what a run! Out of this world. Touchdown,
1: Kansas City. I tell you, from the second quarter of last week, when they scored seven straight possessions, to what's happened right here in this game, down ten to zero. This quarterback has played at a level you just don't
0: almost i mean watch this i'm like okay he's probably done he's gonna run out of that Oh, gives him a
1: little shake oh he's definitely no i'm gonna keep going come back in three more guys no touchdown patrick mahomes all right i'm back here on the podcast join me today one of the athletic senior writers for the nfl mike sando is here mike welcome how are you good to be here thanks I'm glad to glad to be here, and I will admit I'm a bit surprised the NFL is actually made here and they're playing in the middle of a pandemic. How do you feel if the season's about to start?
0: A lot better than a couple of months ago. I think there's you know the off season and this whole ordeal has been uh, you know an exercise in uncertainty, where it's hard to figure out exactly what's going on, exactly what the risk is, exactly what's going to happen. And so uh, for the longest time, it felt like oh the week's got time, and things will settle down, and things remain as uncertain, you know. Uh, down to the wire, but I think they're going to play. You know, I think I feel a lot better about it than I could have because there's not these big outbreaks so far on teams, doesn't seem to be, and so maybe they can do it.
1: Yeah, I'm hopeful that they can do it. The one thing that's going to be different, obviously, is that there's not going to be a lot of fans in any of these buildings, and I feel like it's going to be such a weird experience for these teams who are used to having these big environments with all of these fans screaming and going nuts to basically almost virtual silence in that sense. How do you think it's going to impact some of these teams, especially the ones who have big home field advantage like the Seahawks and the Saints?
0: Yeah, I think the whole thing's probably good for offense. You know, I I think that the the veteran quarterback who knows what he's doing and doesn't need as much practice time, maybe doesn't play as much in the preseason anyway. um, You know, the game is second nature to him. I think he's going to have an advantage uh, anyway. And now if he's on the road and, you know, it's easier to operate without a silent count and those sorts of things, you would think that could uh, help offense a little bit more, you know. Um, But I think it's going to be, a situation where we're, we're probably, you know, reading too much into every little thing like that. It's going to have some effect. I don't think it's going to, you know, completely change everything.
1: Yeah. One thing I think that is going to be important, and I want to get your take on this as well, is the idea of the importance of continuity, especially in offseason where they didn't have OTAs, they had no mini-camps and a very strange and different training camp without preseason games. How important is it for the teams who bring back a lot of guys from last year to sort of keep that continuity going forward?
0: I think it is important, and that feeds into the veteran quarterback idea too, right? Somebody who can run the show knows what they're doing. I think it would be very difficult, uh, you know, to be, let's say, the uh, the Browns. You know, they're coming in with Kevin Stefanski. He's never been a head coach before. You know, even if he's really capable, he's never done it. Baker Mayfield, who's, you know, the, the stakes are high for him this year, but he's suddenly on a offensive system, right? So uh, I'd be a little nervous. If I were those teams, a little more nervous than if I'm Drew Brees coming in with the Saints, same squad, pretty much stacked, you know, ready to go, coach and quarterback together ten years, it should make a, a bigger difference than normal.
1: Yeah, another team that has a lot of continuity coming in is the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions. We haven't had a repeat chance in New England way back in two thousand three, two thousand four. Do you think the Chiefs can do it this year? Well, I think they certainly can. They're, they're my favorite. I, I'd pick, you know, who I think would win it. I, I, certainly, I would probably
0: take them over any other team. But I think we have to be reminded that it's hard to do. And last year they were they were trailing by double digits in six games. You know, they went five and one in those games because Patrick Mahomes is amazing and they have great weaponry. They were down 24 nothing in a playoff game, too. So uh, the idea that we just show up and everybody's happy and, and it it all works well. It, in reality, it's never that easy. Mahomes missed game game time last year with an injury right what happens if that happens again I mean just the things that happen in a season make it tough and that's why we don't have teams winning four in a row right they just don't
1: yeah that's certainly true and the team they played last year the Super Bowl the 49ers they did blow a 10 temp- a big lead to them late in the game and obviously a lot of these teams that lose the Super Bowl, we see the hangover the following year you think that they're in jeopardy of having that Super Bowl hangover having a sluggish year kind of
0: you know, I looked at Super Bowl hangovers recently, and I, as I looked at maybe the last 10 Super Bowl losers, I think they averaged about 10 wins the next year. You, you had Carolina fall off. They had a losing season. But for the most part, um, a lot of them did well the next year, better than I would have expected. I think the bottom line for the 49ers is they're they're a little bit worse of a, of a team, potentially, right? You subtract to Forrest Buckner. You subtract Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you know, those types of things probably have a bigger effect than the fact that they lost the Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's just hard to, it's hard to sustain um, excellence, especially
1: for like 49ers who hasn't done it. I mean, they, they sort of almost came out of nowhere. Yeah, they kind of did. One team that has, in the NFC has a knocking on the door for a bit. And you did bring up him earlier Is Drew Brees in New Orleans Saints. They've had such like dissipating playoff finishes the last three years. And it sounds like from all accounts, this might be Brees' last year. Do you feel like this is sort of an increased sense of urgency for that team? Knowing that this might be their last ride with this gang?
0: Oh, yeah, I think for sure. Any, uh, Tom Brady probably feels similarly, right? He's going to play more seasons, but you just reach a certain age where um, you know you're almost down to the end. So with, with Breeze, we've all kind of been, every time he throws the ball and it doesn't look pretty, we're like, oh, that's Breeze, he's falling off, he's 40-whatever years old, You know, he was never the biggest, strongest guy anyway. So I think that's been true for them, and, and they know. I mean, that's why they keep sort of going all in, doubling down, making some trades, like, you know, in the draft, trading a first-round pick, making short-term moves because that's what they're playing for. It's very short-term.
1: Yeah, they are playing for the very short-term. One team that should be playing for the long-term is the Baltimore Ravens with MVP Lamar Jackson, who's, who dominated the league last year, had a disappointing finish, obviously, in the playoffs. So what do you think we can see at Lamar Jackson for an encore? Because it's very interesting to see where he goes from his strong uh, 2019 season.
0: Yeah, you know, I think he continues to improve as a— uh as a quarterback, even if the numbers aren't as great for whatever reason, you know, do opponents do a better job, that sort of thing. I think just with experience, we would expect him to continue to grow. I don't think it's always going to look as easy as it sometimes did. You know, I think history's shown us that, you know, even Dan Marino came on and had 48 touchdown passes. Unbelievable. It wasn't like he did that every year, right? So maybe Lamar Jackson can do it. Maybe he can be the exception who has an MVP type season every year. But I would think it gets a little bit harder. Um, to, to keep up that type of pace. And then he'd still be really good. And, you know, maybe he's in the running for MVP, but um, defenses will have a, something to say about that, too.
1: Yeah, that's true. I want to shift to the local teams for me. I'm based out here in New York, I'm talking to Mike Sandel, the athletic. I saw the New York Giants. They hired the new head coach and Joe Judge. Second year, Daniel Jones. A lot of changes on the defense as well. What do you think Giant fans should be looking forward to this year? Yeah, Daniel
0: Jones. You know, I do a survey every year on the, on the athletic. Uh, called quarterback tears. I talked to 50 people in the league. We go through all the quarterbacks, and Daniel Jones. There was optimism for him. You know, I almost felt like people were, you know, even a little more excited about him, wanting to see more from him than than Darnold there in the same in the same stadium. So he probably exceeded some expectations as a rookie. You know, didn't start the whole year, but uh, showed enough that people want to see more. You know, a little bit intrigued. So that would be my number one focus for them. Do I feel great about him after this year?
1: Yeah. Also, across town, you mentioned the Jets, and they're sort of in a weird spot where they they've spent a lot of this offseason, sort of rebuilding the offensive line. They don't. They there's questions about the coach. There's questions about whether the quarterback is the long term answer. The receivers are bent up all over the place. I'm feeling very down on the Jets. I think this could be a very long year for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that you know they probably will be a little bit better than the expectation because everyone's so down on them, right? I mean, it's just. It's hard not to be no one's giving them credit for the fact that they had a pretty good record down the stretch last year. It seems like it's one sort of kind of negative story after another. Um, certainly the Jamal Adams situation and trade did not lend uh, itself to a feeling of excitement surrounding the Jets, right? You've got people there on a little bit different timelines, a little bit different even agendas, right, with, with, with Greg Williams on the defense, Adam Gates on the offense. You've got Le'Veon Bell who was signed by a different GM and hasn't been a great fit. He's a high profile player making a ton of money. You've got the GM and Joe Douglas, who's, I think, trying to do some of the right things, but it's just not all synced up. So, what they really have to see is hey, the offense makes strides. Sam Darnold looks better. You know, those types of things. Gase is making an
1: impact, right? In the absence of that, I think it's the same narrative as last year. Yeah, the thing I'm concerned about, i am an admit I'm a Jets fan. The thing I'm concerned about most with them is development of Sam Darnold because I do feel like this is sort of going down the path for a bit where you can see maybe like Matthew Stafford with the Lions where constantly changing the coaching staff takes a while. He has a lot of talent but it's not fully realized. Is that something I should be afraid of as a Jets fan with Darnold? Uh,
0: yes, I think because organizations, um, you know, set the culture and set the the expectation of the winning. Look at the Lions. Okay, They've had... I believe I'm going to say maybe 13 head coaches since 1973. One of them had a winning record, Jim Caldwell. Okay, that's bigger than Matthew Stafford, right? It's obviously uh, the whole culture of the team is hard to overcome. Even though Matthew Stafford's a talented player, and he's not, you know, the greatest player. Everybody, he should have worst quarterbacks have had playoff wins, right? He doesn't have any. So, you know, are the Jets going to be that type of team? They've had success, you know, more recently than, than uh, the Lions have, but it's been fleeting and it doesn't feel like necessarily we know if they have that foundation. So it is a concern if an organization can't get things together.
1: Yeah. I want to go to an organization that took a big swing this offseason. That's Tampa Buccaneers who bring in Tom Brady down in Tampa. They bring in Rob Gronkowski. It feels like all of a sudden the excitations are sky high with Tampa Bay and, People think he's going to break the playoff run, maybe make a Super Bowl run. What do you think about year one of, of the Brady era in Tampa Bay? Yeah, cautiously optimistic. You know, I, when I went
0: through and did my power rankings, I think
1: I had them in the top six or seven teams.
0: You know, they were, they were statistically a little weird on defense last year, right? They allowed like 28 points per game. You go, wow, that's terrible. But they were top six, top seven if you really – uh, look at some of the advanced metrics that take out of the equation all the times James Winston's interceptions put the defense in a bad light, right? So I think they're good on defense. You bring in a quarterback who's a great leader, and even if he's not what he used to be, he doesn't turn the ball over. So you take away so many of the negative plays. Um, I do like their chances. I think it's interesting in that division, right? How, how much can they push New Orleans? I think they're going to be in the mix. I think they're going to be a playoff team.
1: Yeah, obviously the follow up question would be we go to New England without Tom Ray. Now they just recently named Cam Newton the starting quarterback. Do you think the excitation level changes much for them? Because I feel like Belichick's gonna want to keep them in the mix, but there's still no lot not a lot of talent on that skill position group.
0: I'm not ever writing them off, but I think Cam Newton has played well before and could be reborn if he's healthy. I think he played well even in the two thousand eighteen season, the first half, before he was you know, his arm and shoulder started letting him down. So you know, do I think that Newton can stay healthy the whole year and return to a dynamic form? I, I, don't know. I think there's enough, there's enough unknown there to make me not want to, to, to bet on it. But there's also enough known in just how well they coach the team with Belichick and how well Newton can play, and how it seems to be a positive thing so far. We haven't, we haven't really seen any games, but I'm at least intrigued enough to think that, you know, I think twice before saying they're not going to make the playoffs.
1: That's certainly fair. You never write Bill Belichick off, and right now, I mean, obviously, you got a decent landscape of the league right now. Do you feel like there's a, a team out there that's not getting enough attention? You think can make a surprise run this year? Okay, I got a couple teams that come to mind when you say that. I think Indianapolis is one of them.
0: I feel like Phillip Rivers behind a good offensive line could win that division. Could maybe be reborn for a couple of years. You know, we spent so much of this offseason focusing on what Bill O'Brien is doing with the Houston Texans. You know, Tennessee made big splashes with, uh, you know, re-signing their quarterback and running back, those types of moves. And Indy's just sort of, yeah, River signing was nice, but went under the radar of Brady. You know, even Cam Newton's gotten more attention during camp. So that would be one team in the AFC. And, you know, we we mentioned Detroit a little bit earlier in the NFC. I think Matthew Stafford was playing real well last season. So, you know, they're not a team you go bet on. I, I just feel like there's too much to overcome in the organization sometimes. But, like it wouldn't shock me if they had a, a better than expected season.
1: Yeah, I kinda of wanna go the other direction as well. Is there like a team out there you also think that might be prying to tail off a bit from last year?
0: You know, I I think the forty ers had such an amazing year at thirteen and three, and I think they're still gonna be really good, but I think they're not quite as good without the Forrest Buckner, without Emmanuel Sanders. Um, it's just hard to be as dominant as they were for much of the year defensively. So that could be a, a, a team that we see take you know, a little bit of a step back. I think Green Bay certainly will for in the one-loss category. I think they'll still be a good team, and, and the Eagles are a team too. That you know we sort of forget won that division. Um, I think there was excitement with some of their drafting, with getting a receiver finally to help Carson Wentz. But there's some holes there too, right? Some injuries, and um, I guess we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think we will see. I'm also intrigued by Dallas in that division as well. Because I feel like for a while they've underachieved under Jason Garrett. Now they have a proven winning head coach at Mike McCarthy. Do you think he sort of unlocks the, the potential of that team?
0: Yeah, I don't know about that. I feel like Jerry Jones is, you know, the best and worst thing going for that team sometimes. Obviously, he's done great wonders for, you know, profit margins, and he's a high-profile owner. But um, I don't think he always helps Makes it easy for the coaching of the team. I think it's also a little weird that here you hire him McCarthy, who's this, you know, long-time offensive play caller. And then you're not going to have him call plays. You're going to have a guy who's called plays for one season do it. And you're going to have Mike McCarthy try to not step on the toes of of a coordinator who'd never been a coordinator until a year ago. Um, I need to sort of see it shake out. You know, in a year when Dak Prescott's playing for a contract, they do have a lot of talent. But, you know, I guess I'll make it be, you know, show me a little bit.
1: Yeah, certainly fair. My last question is this. Obviously, the season's coming up. We're assuming, hopefully, we we get through everything and we get to a Super Bowl, who do you think are the favorites to get there, in your opinion?
0: Well, I'll definitely go with Kansas City. I mean, I, I love the Andy Reid, Mahomes. I think they've got amazing weaponry um, on offense. and You know, enough there on defense. So they they were they're probably a team for me. I think last year I might have picked the Vikings to make it. They didn't. Uh, against the Chiefs, so those were my picks last year. I think I made... May lean a little bit towards the Saints and and think you know they've sort of been in that window and had the best team. Doesn't mean they're going to make it, but you got to sort of like their chances.
1: All right, there you have it, Mike Sando from the Athletic. Thanks for taking all this time to talk to me about the NFL. I Really appreciate it. Before I let you go, can you tell people how to find on social media and keep up with the stuff you're doing on the Athletic?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Sando S A N D O N F
1: L Sando NFL,
0: and certainly you can find me just type type in my name, Mike Sando, the dot com. You might be interested in my quarterback tiers project. That's T-I-E-R-S, not T-E-A-R-S, Jets fans. Uh, <laughs> so you can find out where uh, your favorite quarterback ranks in the eyes of 50 coaches and executives around the league.
1: Yeah, I, I do check that article out. I'm a big fan of it. Very good very good work there. Mike, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, and there you have it. That was Mike Sando of The Athletic talking NFL Getting ready for the season. Up next, show me the money. NFL picks for week number one. Coming up right after this. Show me the money. Oh! You, but I I'm All right, we are back showing the money. NFL picks for week number one. Joining me today, the guy who closed out last season. On the picks, did the Super Bowl picks with me. He also, was a prophet on the podcast. Predicted that Garrett Cole would sign up the New York Yankees during the winter meetings, which he did. Nick Frietta is here. Nick, how are you? Hey,
2: Mike, doing well. How's it going?
1: Doing pretty good. I will say though, the Garrett Cole thing has not worked out as well as the Yankees have hoped. The last couple of starts.
2: No, it hasn't. Team is, team in general hasn't done that well. It's done okay, and I can't can't be. I am mad about what they've done, but. They're not terrible, but they should be doing a lot better. They're beat up, and even the guys who are playing are really not performing.
1: Yeah, for me, it's like it's hard to get super, super worked up at a 60-game season because this is just such a crapshoot. That, like, I mean, we've seen the Marlins are in the playoff hunt, we've seen the Tigers are hanging around in there. I just think, like, oh, if you play 162, the Yankees would be fine, but 60, just they're having much more trouble.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, that's what it is, though. It is 60,
1: unfortunately, for
2: them, and they got to pick it up. I mean, they're on the cusp of missing the playoffs at this point. I mean, they'll probably make it, but they got to pick it up.
1: Yeah, they do, and we still have a month to go in baseball, but we do have the football season's here. Week one is here. I last thought to you back in, man, we talked about the schedule. We talked then, like, oh, maybe I'll have to move things around. Are you surprised we actually made it here on time without having the thing push back at all?
2: I am. I am surprised. I don't. I still, don't think there's any sort of plan in place for any sort of cancellations or a bubble-like thing. I know bubble would be really hard. But, you know, the amount of people on a football team, the amount of teams. But I, you know, a little, it worries me a little bit that they had nothing in place. Considering whether it was going to get colder again, and knows what's going to happen with this. You know, with this disease, if it can come back in a second wave or something. So I'm a little surprised they didn't put anything in
0: place. But we'll see what happens
1: yeah i'm i'm surprised too the nfl i mean i talked about this earlier they did have the benefit of like they went through camp everybody had the good results but we said the same thing about baseball in baseball we've already had five different teams as of recording have positive covid tests and they got shut down for a couple of days at a time and like that's not something you, not something you really do with an nfl teams. you can't play double headers in football
2: yeah and the nfl is the only league that had the you know the, the privilege or the you know the right or i guess yeah i guess the privilege to they had the time you know they had five six months to sort something out and they did the other leagues you know really didn't have that much time to, to work on anything and they made it work like the nba bubble has been a huge success and they put it together in what two months yeah. three months
1: yeah they had um, the nfl basically their whole idea i think for what guys, yeah, the idea is like okay virtual bubbles where you're and you're at home and you basically just go from your home to the facility back home without going out in the community and whatnot and limit the travel, which f- fingers crossed it works, but I'm still skeptical. because I, I want to see what happens. I mean, we see in college, We seen like I think last night, Texas state had to play a game without tight ends because their entire group had to be quarantined with contactors. I don't know how that work for an NFL game.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a bad idea what they have in place. It's just that, one bad egg ruins it for everybody else. There's one, You know, they say you're supposed to go to practice and then come home. If someone doesn't, they get sick, they bring it to their practice. That's a whole team. They bring it to their families, their families spread it somewhere else. I mean, we all know how it works at this point with the spreading. Just It's one, bad, one person can ruin it for everybody else.
1: Yeah, I think the one thing you get to hope for if you're an NFL fan is that the supposed rapid test is coming by October, gets out in the market quick enough that the NFL teams can actually get their hands on it. And that way... You can test them every day and then the out op- and then if you can catch somebody before they spread it to their teammates, like basically they testing negative before they enter the building, it should be good. But you wanna catch it before yeah. it spreads that way. That's the only oh, shot you yeah. have to get through the season.
2: Oh, that that rapid testing is not only gonna be great for the NFL. I mean, I don't know how what what it's gonna cost, but that can be really useful in outside of sports as well, too. That could be something that really changes the way we live our lives.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it could be a game-changer for schools because you could just test like all the people going to the school before the day starts, and if they're, neg- if they're negative, right. they can go in. They can't. They just go home. Yeah, I don't know how expensive it's going to be or anything like that, but it's, it seems like it's going to be great. Will be, and I'm gonna talk, I'll talk to you a little bit about your Giants. I've heard some complaints from fellow Giant fans about Joe Judge's training camp, about how he's making the coaches run labs and he's trying to become a sort of Belichick, Parcells clone. What do you think about Joe Judge so far? I don't think he's going to be a very good coach based on that kind of stuff so you know the players
2: might buy into it and it might turn out well they might get something out of it and but based on what i'm seeing it seems very similar to greg shiano tampa bay guys keep saying play till the whistle like that's obvious these guys are professionals you don't need to tell them to play to the whistle It's not like an eighth grade football team like when other teams kneeling the ball you know play till the whistle you you show some respect and that's something that you can see that's what Greg Schiano ran his team the way in Tampa. They played the Giants that game. Eli Neal, the one of the linemen, I don't remember who the guy was, like he was hitting on the play like his coach told him to, and it started like a big fight. He was he was saying, "I told my guys to play to the whistle. Like, no, this is not eighth grade travel football. This is this is the NFL. It doesn't really work like that. You don't need a motive. Yes, of course, players need to be motivated, but they're not. They're not not trying. Like you can get more out of the team, but it's not. It's not like." Pushing them harder is gonna make them realize that they're good. And it's like the Giants don't have that much talent at all. So it's not like a good coach is gonna get what he can out of this team and they're gonna all of a sudden become good. They have a little bit of talent on the offensive side. They you know, Jones looked great last year. If he stopped fumbling, he looks really, really great. They can run the uh, Barkley obviously is good. They have pretty good, decent receivers and they Engram's a good receiving tight end. So they have some weapons offensively, but doesn't mean they stack up to other teams. They're
1: still not a good team. Yeah, and I think honestly, the state of New York football this year is not going to be good because the Giants, as you mentioned, they're in the midst of a rebuild. Their offense is there. Defense still needs a lot of work. The Jets have their own set of problems. The offensive line should be better, but they have no weapons for Darnold. Their defense lost Jamal Adams in the and CJ Mosley opted out. So I find it hard to really get myself jazzed up for the New York football scene. You're saying, you know what? like maybe one of these teams will be good. I don't think either one of them is going to have a very good year.
2: No, I don't think so. I don't think either of them are going to be dreadful. I think in the past, the last couple of years, I went into the Giants' season expecting them to be three and thirteen or two and fourteen. This year, I expect them to win like five games, maybe six. I can see them doing that. I can see the Jets winning six games. Like, so they won't be terrible. They're not going to be in the top picks next year. Worst team in the league. But you're right. It's not a, a team that I'm getting excited for. It's not a season that I'm. I can't wait to see what the Giants do. The only real thing I'm excited for is to see the development of both quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, this is basically see what the quarterbacks do for your year. And I feel better about the situation Jones has. He at least has some weapons. The line is a work in progress, but he has capable receivers on the outside. He's got a good running back. He's got a tight end who's capable of making plays. The Jets, like... The back should be better in theory. Le'Veon Bell, like Chris Herndon and and Darnold, have good chemistry, but the weapons outside, there's nothing, and that scares the hell out of me. We want the quarterback to get better.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's been I feel like it's been a long time with the Jets since they've had weapons and they've had opportunities to go and grab them, and they just haven't. And you know, and to flip things around on the Giants with Darnold and the fumbling that seemed to be... excuse me, Jones and the fumbling that seemed to be his you know, his weakness last season. And from what I'm hearing, it's continuing in camp. And if it continues, the Giants are doomed. If he fumbles the ball, like, he's going to throw interceptions. He's young. It's okay. It's not like he's not going to throw 30, but he's going to throw in a full season. He's probably going to throw 15 to 20, maybe 15 interceptions. It's going to happen. But if he also turns the ball over via fumbling over 15 times, they're going to be really, really bad. He needs to hold on to the ball.
1: Yeah, he does. And the Giants... They get the benefit of they have the extra day. They start the season on Monday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. What are your thoughts on that game? I think
2: um I think when it comes to that game, I just look at Pittsburgh and I think they're really, really underrated. Off the top of your head, do you know what the Steelers record was last year? They were five hundred. Yes, but I, you're right. But I don't think a lot of people would assume that. You are know, like, oh, Roethlisberger was out. They were hurt. A lot of people think of it like they were 5-11, and 6-10 teams. They went 8-8, eight and eight, and they were 8-5 and five at one point. They lost their last three to the Bills, the Jets, and the Ravens. This is a team that easily could have, you know, with no Ben Roethlisberger. This is a team that easily could have been, like, 11-5, and 12-4 if been played. They're good teams. Their defense is really, really good, and the offense struggled because they had a lot of injuries.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there on the Steelers, and the thing that I think is brings an interesting point before we do the picks week is that, like, I'm looking at the lines here and, like, honestly, I don't think the oddsmakers have a clue what to make of this situation here, because you had no offseason, like, no OTAs, no mini camps, no preseason games, and a lot of these places have no fans or at most, like, 20% of the fans in the building, so, like, they see that they kind of made the lines and sort of, like, a traditional, like, oh, here's what it would be, like, on a normal situation, but I don't buy a lot of these lines oh, because I feel like they're so skewed between, like, A, like, I don't know who has fans in the building. B, like, I also think that, like, the home field advance would be massively overrated this year because without fans, it's like, there's not a quirk. It's not like a it's not like a, a family park where you can play the park. Every football field is the same dimension, so you can't say, oh, one home field is better than the other without the fans.
2: Right, I completely agree, except for, you know, some of them, I guess, play on a different type of terrain, like grass, compared to turf. But I mean, neither NFL players—not like the first time I've ever played on grass before.
1: Yeah, it's like if you're getting a sunny day, like what, like outside with no fans, and let's say in, in Matt' life this week for the Giants, it's not much different than being outside in Buffalo if there's no fans in Buffalo.
2: Right. Yeah. Very true. And um, and you know, I I noticed that as well with these these odd makers, they don't know what to make of it, and and. Especially with this Steelers game, like minus three and a half, I believe it is. Do you have anything, different, I see three and a half?
1: Yeah, I was right around there. I had minus okay. four.
2: Okay, so minus three and a half, minus four. I see that as if there were fans at Giants Stadium or MetLife, it would be Steelers minus four, but there's not. So is it really a home field advantage for the Giants? What's the difference of them playing in Pittsburgh? I guess you could say they have to travel. That Pittsburgh has a travel and the Giants don't That's the only thing, but like again, they do that all the time They're always traveling, these guys are always on the road
1: Yeah, that's true Let's get to the picks, every week on the Picks Challenge Here, we're gonna, I'm going to pick picks Somebody different is going on Team Challenge Every week doing the picks, you are here for week number one we're making three picks against the spread I'm going to get us going here You're going to be up first as the guest Nick, where are you going with pick Number one
2: I'm going with Seattle Minus one and a half, I have here. I think uh, when it comes to that game, this is another one of those games where they're on, you know, they're, they're favoring, I think, the home team because the home team's home, but there is no home field advantage. Seattle's only minus one and a half. I think Seattle's a very good football team. I don't think there's really anyone who would deny that. And Atlanta is just, I don't think they've been good in years. I don't see anything to be excited about with Atlanta except for the fact that they're playing in Atlanta, which doesn't mean anything to me in this sort of NFL season.
1: Yeah, I actually disagree with you on that, Beck. I do like the Falcons in that game just because I think that their situation when they're playing on the track is going to help out that team. They played well down the stretch last year. They were 6-2, and and there's a lot of talent on that football team. They get slept on quite a bit. Plus, you have Seattle flying east. That's the one thing I think to take advantage of here is that the fact that they're playing 10 a.m. body time is going to be tricky for them. I could see Atlanta winning this game, but this is really a toss-up. I think this one, the oddsmakers got right with the line.
2: I will say this, though. In the past, Atlanta has been pretty good in the even years. So maybe you're right about that. All right, where are you going with pick number two? I'm going with Tennessee. They're in Denver. Uh, they're getting a point and a half. I think they're a better team. I think they should be favored. I think they should be favored in the men's. Zone. I think Tennessee is a really good football team. I think they're going to, we're going to be seeing them in the playoffs, possibly just as far as we did last year. And I think Denver is an average team at best. I'm
1: going to kind of say. I'm with you on this pick. I love this pick. This one I looked at, I'm like, huh? And I see the line because Denver, they finished well with Drew Locke. So they're 4 and 1, but that team is not that good. And this is one I think, again, where I think they're factoring in the fans, being not like having in there, but they're not there. The altitude is a factor, but Tennessee has the defense and running game. That travels very well. I think they'll confuse Drew Locke. They'll pound the football. I think they win this game easily. So you're getting a point and a half. Take it.
2: Yeah, I actually looked at this when I saw this spread. I, I, Said point and a half. I rubbed my eyes. I'm like, does it really say minus one and a half? I like, think it actually says plus one and a half. Wow.
1: Yeah, so that's a one I think you had to take. Where are you going with your third pick?
2: Uh, I'm going to go opening night with Kansas City, minus nine and a half. I think um, Houston's taking steps back, and I think Kansas City is going to continue to move forward. I think, you know, Bill O'Brien has traded away Hopkins for dirt. And they're just they're going to suffer a little bit. I still think they're a pretty decent team. I think they'll take a step back, but I still think they're not a bad team. But Kansas City is just going to keep rolling. I don't think anything's going to get in their way, and I don't think nine and a half is enough.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that pick as well. I like the Chiefs here. I know nine and a half is a lot to lay on opening night, but one factor they have in their favor, I think, is the continuity. They bring back nine offensive starters from a year ago, about over 80% of the offensive snaps. The Texans' defense is also not very good, and you also got to figure they'll have a little bit of that memory of the choke job at the end of of the divisional playoff game last year in their heads. I can see the Chiefs running away with this one very easily.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm a little little upset. This is our opening day matchup, to be honest with you. I would have rather something a little bit better. But at least Houston's not a bad team. At least they didn't throw us, you know, Kansas City against, like, San Diego or something. Yeah,
1: they didn't have many options there. But I'll go on the board now of my picks. Pick number one, I took this game week one last year. Got a scare there, but I'm going to go back here again. I'm going to take the Eagles laying six and a half in Washington against the Washington football team. This is when I think the number, again, is just too close because Washington's a bad team. They lost. They have cut Adrian Peterson. Dwayne Haskins is a mess last year. New coach coming in, Ron Rivera. A lot of questionable weapons outside Terry McLaurin. The Eagles are a very good team. I know they have questions at receiver, but this team can run the football. This team can play defense. This is a magical number. It's six and a half. I can win with a touchdown. I'm going to take the Eagles here. lay the six and a half in Washington. Pick one.
2: I completely agree with your pick here. I like it. The only reason I shied away from this pick is sometimes these division games just scare me. Regardless of how good or bad a team is, just when you're playing in the division, I've seen these Patriots-Alton games too many times for me to get really sucked up on one of these games. I just get a little nervous about the division.
1: Yeah, that's certainly fair, but I'll take the I'll take the chance again with Philly. Game two, I'm staking in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm taking the Steelers laying the four at MetLife against the Giants. I think it's, again this is a number that's way too out of whack. The Steelers getting like laying four points against a Giants team that you and I both know is not very good. The defense of Pittsburgh is the best unit on the game on the field. They're gonna do the best to shut down Saquon Barkley. They'll frustrate Daniel Jones. I can see some key turnovers here. And the Steelers offense with Ben Roethlisberger should have its way against a giant. deed, has a lot of question marks. I'm only laying four. I think this could end up being a blowout. So give me the Steelers laying four and MetLife pick two.
2: I like your pick there. Also, we discussed the game earlier. We discussed the matchup, but I am interested to see how Ben comes back from the injury. He is getting up there a little bit in age. It wouldn't be really that surprising if he just wasn't that good anymore. But then again, I'm not. I'm not.
1: I'm not banking on that. But it could happen when he comes back from the injury and he's not the same Ben Roethlisberger I really wouldn't be shocked all right that's game number two game number three I have to take a dog this week I am taking the Cincinnati Bengals getting three and a half points at home against the Los Angeles Chargers and the Chargers they have not impressed me that much I know Tyrod Taylor is a quarterback now and he could game manage this game but I like getting the hook at home the Bengals did a lot of work this offseason season they really overhauled the defense Joe Burrow is, is I think, going to make a big difference on the offense. AJ Green is healthy. They have playmakers on offense. I think this game will be very, very close. And I'm getting the hook, which I love. I don't think the Chargers going to be a great road team traveling the to out out east for the one o'clock start. I think it actually might be four or five. It's still the point is I yeah, don't trust. I don't trust the Chargers here. Give me the Bengals getting three and a half points at home and to start off the Joe Burrow era. I think they could actually win this outright. Give me the Bengals, pick three.
2: Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike the pick. I, I, I uh, think this is definitely the game this week that I'm least interested in of any game on the schedule, just based on who's playing. Maybe Chicago and Detroit might be a little bit worse, but um, this is a game. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think Bengals uh, really overhauled their team in a good way, and
1: they're healthy, and I, I think they're looking pretty good. Yeah. Plus, the hook is big in this game. The get get fact well, I, I, I can win this game I, with the Bengals losing my field goal is huge.
2: Well, let me clarify when I say the Bengals are looking pretty good. I mean compared to last year, not overall.
1: Yeah, they're on. They're on the way up. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. All right. To reset the picks for week number one, Nick has gone with the Seahawks laying a point and a half in Atlanta against the Falcons. The Titans getting a point and a half in tennis in Denver on Monday night for pick number two. Pick number three, the Kansas City Chiefs on opening night laying nine and a half against the Houston Texans. My picks for the week. I'm taking the Eagles laying six and a half points in Washington against the Washington football team. The Steelers laying four at MetLife State against the New York Giants. And the Cincinnati Bengals getting three and a half points at home against the Los Angeles Chargers. Those are my picks for week number one. And Nick, this season I'm also going to throw out a survivor pool pick. You know how those work, right?
2: Great. I was actually about to ask you that. so I'm glad you're doing this.
1: Yeah, I'm putting one out this year. As long as the picks are active, I think I'm going to give this a shot here. We'll see how they go. In terms of that, I think my pick for week one this is tough because a lot of these games are on the road. And right. I I think I'm going to lock it in here. I, my pick for week one, I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. I'll feel a little karma there. I think the Colts are going to be close. I think they'll beat the Jacks. I think I'm going to take that as the lock of the week.
2: That's a good pick. I think Jacksonville is terrible. There's no other way to put it. Jacksonville
1: is atrocious. Yeah, and I think that's the safest call on the board here. This is is a very tough week to do this.
2: I haven't made my pick yet um, in terms of my survivor pools, but I'm leaning between three games that I haven't decided on yet. I'm liking that same game you picked, Indianapolis. I'm also liking Baltimore. And Kansas City. Sometimes I feel like in these survival pools, I I like to pick the best team I could as early as I can because I always say it every year. It's very you know week one, we think we know who's good just based on last year, and then once you get to like week eight, you look back at that week one schedule. You go, here's just an example. Not that I think Detroit will be good this year, but you look and you say, wow, week one we didn't think Detroit was going to be good. Look at them now, like two or three years ago with the Rams came out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, next season the Rams were a team that everyone started picking. So I think week one you got to go with the sure picks for the teams that you know are good. So that way, when you get later on in the year, those teams that emerge out of nowhere, you
1: still have. Yeah, don't be cute is my is my strategy. Of week one, like if you have a strong feeling, I want to take it. Don't try and say, "Oh, I'll save the Chiefs." Yeah, you know, exactly. Because I think that the Bears will beat the Lions at home, and if they don't happen, you're out of the pool.
2: Right. Exactly. This is not, you know, not many of these. I've been in some of them that are second chances, but. at you're not getting many second chances in these and especially not a third chance maybe a second chance in some pools, but that's it
1: yep thank you that's week one picks on the board next week on the on the picks challenge i'm bringing a voice we heard on the draft podcast charlie Boy is a Tampa Bay buccaneers fan we got his take after week one of the buccaneers tom brady Arrow's take on the saints this week i think that's gonna be a fun game too
2: oh yeah i'm really excited to see what tampa can do yeah really yeah. excited let him, let him for there now too
1: yeah, I think they they go in the Superdome, but I don't think the Saints have fans in the building. So it'll be interesting to see how much of a difference that makes in that game.
2: This should be a good game, I, I really think. I'm real, Like I said, I'm really excited to see what goes on in Bay this year. I think that's the team that everyone has their eyes on as just, I can't wait to see their game. That was similar to, I believe, Cleveland when they got they, got a little, they, they thought they got stacked up when they got Odell and a whole bunch of the people. Everyone was excited to see the Browns. That ended up being a disappointment. But I'm expecting to not see the disappointment in Tampa.
1: You know, there's a big difference with, with those two because they're getting Tom Brady.
2: Yeah, Tom Brady is compared to uh, Odell Beckham is a little bit of a difference in how, how much they impact the game.
1: Yeah, I would certainly say that. Nick, thanks for all the time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Love being on no problem. Up next, I'm going to do get you more in the mood of football. We'll talk about some football TV shows, football movies you should watch. The great Alan Austin right after this. All right. Hard Knocks may be over, but football season is finally here. Talking to you today about some football stuff to get you more jazzed up for the return of the NFL this week. Joining me today is one of our pop culture team members. We haven't heard from him a little bit. There's been a lot of podcasts cranking out, but Alan Austin is here. Alan, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Doing good. I got to say, I'm very excited to see football back. As
3: am I. I know when we spoke about baseball, we were kind of tempered by the, you know, large cloud hanging over our heads but I think if baseball's getting through, football will find a way as well, so my excitement level is high
1: Yeah, I mean, we got opening week this week we got the big game Thursday night, we got a full slate of Sunday, I can tell you, I cannot wait to on Sunday at 1 o'clock just plop myself down, be prepared to watch as many hours of football as I possibly can Yeah, I'm a YouTube TV subscriber, just found out we're getting NFL Red Zone, big news that's massive news. Red zone is a game changer. That's if you're playing fantasy football. Absolutely. Yeah, I I I watch my jet game local, but like a lot of times I will go to the red zone in the commercial breaks and in the window the, they're not playing, I'll go there a lot too. I'm a big red zone guy.
3: Yeah, and I'm a Giants fan, so this Sunday. I usually solely watch the Giants when the Giants are on, but we got the Monday night opener, so I will be locked in the red zone this uh coming Sunday.
1: Who's got it better than you, man? Seven hours of red zone not having to worry about how your team is doing. Oh, it's the best.
3: And you just worry about fantasy and enjoy the big moments as this happen.
1: Yeah, and I will say, I'm excited. What we're doing today, we're going to give you some picks. Like we, Alan, and I usually do, we usually do some kind of like draft where we sort of give you options to focus on, on pop culture kind of content. Today, we're doing it all about football, basically. We are talking about football, TV shows, football movies, anything to get you more psyched for football. That's what we're here to cover today. I'm excited. And then we're going to do a little draft. Am I correct? Yes, we are. But before we get to that draft, one thing I talked about is obviously Hard Knocks came to an end this week. The all or nothing Amazon show. The one I told you about the last time you were on here, we did a draft and one that follows a team throughout the year. I'm assuming they're going to start doing that. So who do you think should be that team we follow through the season? Who do you think would be the most entertaining value? Now,
3: I have four here and i you know, I figured this would be more of a discussion than yeah. general pick one. Now, as a Giant fan, I don't think they are the most exciting team. So, therefore, uh, one is the Washington Football Team. Would love an in-depth look at how they're handling stuff behind the scenes. See how they react to Ron Rivera's cancer diagnosis and how they work through that, and just kind of see a reba- uh, an, uh, an organization trying to rebound itself. So, I think that would be good TV. The Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, way more exciting than the Patriots would be. I feel like the Patriots would be a very closed set, so to speak. You wouldn't really get much access. I think the Tampa Bay Bucks would be very exciting to check out. Coming off their Super Bowl win, the Chiefs.
1: And then another team I think would be interesting would be the Dolphins. Ooh, the Dolphins is an interesting one. Why do you think Miami would be very interesting to follow?
3: I think the Tua storyline, him and Fitzpatrick, you know, kind of Two different worlds you can follow kind of the and we'll get to this later the any given sunday thing where you have the old wily vet and the young hotshot rookie and how they deal with each other and just that team got a bunch of first round or they got so many draft picks last year they they're infused with young talent i think it would be an exciting watch and brian flores i think proved himself in year one and he'd be a fun coach to follow year two
1: yeah, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks think, have to be the top pick on the board because you got the Tom Brady factor, him going a new team. They got a lot of exciting players on offense. They have a colorful coach, Bruce Aarons, who was on the first season of All or Nothing when they covered the Cardinals in 2015. So he would be fun to have back on. I think some other ones I would like, I would like to take a look at the Baltimore Ravens because obviously you have to bring MVP Lamar Jackson and you want to see how they evolve their offense this year as they go forward looking to try and get him a playoff win for the first time. And I think... Just in terms of like a dramatic storyline, I think the last ride for the Saints, I think would be a lot of fun to follow as well, because you have Drew Brees, basically, he's all but hinted that this is his last year, and I feel like watching them try and take advantage of the window closing, I think it would be fun.
3: Especially when Brees, who's like a very storied, you know, Hall of Fame bound quarterback is coming off a controversy. So it would be nice to see how he handles it, how his teammates are handling it, and just where he goes from here.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of like what's going on, I think this is going to be probably the most interesting season of all nothing i watch Because obviously you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at how NFL team navigates playing in the middle of a COVID pandemic. You'll see also how they react to real life events happening around them, whether it's the pursuit of ending systemic racism, their reactions to the election. There's a lot of storylines that are going to be, fl- going to be flowing in this season that are not related to just football
3: absolutely yeah
1: yeah i think we're gonna put a pain in that, that whoever it is next year when the season comes out around february that's gonna be must watch but let's go to our football like entertainment draft alan what would be your first choice so i get the first pick and it
3: might be seen as corny in some people's eyes but it's a movie that's stuck with me over all these years i'm a huge fan of it i've followed the careers of the people all with my first pick I'm gonna go with Remember the Titans. Oh, that, you stole that from me. I was going there next. <laughs> <laughs> it's too good to pass up. It's got I've got too many memories, and I know we've spoken in the past about 42 and RIP Chadwick Boseman, but 42 was a little bit even more corny with the way it handled some things, and I just don't think it was an honest depiction of those stories. Remember the Titans, I think, dips its toes into the water a little bit more. And I think it handles it in a disney but respectful and educational way. And, and other than that, the storyline of the movie, the way they, the, the story plays out with Coach Boone and Coach Yost and Gary Bertier and all the other players, hook, line, and sinker, I am in. It is probably, without a doubt, my favorite football movie.
1: I'm right there with you. I love that movie. I mean, my friends and I like in high school had an in-joke about the Bertier point when Gary Bertier points at the opposing team. That's always been an in-joke with us. And the storyline is great. It tells a good t- Disney-fied tale, I'll admit, of uh, integrating a football team in in the 60s. I think it was the decade the movie was set in. And very well-acted movie. And I loved that film. I would always go back to it. I It's one of the f- few football films that do own. Is our own copy of The of the Titans.
3: Yeah, and I I, I will say, like, We talked about the Disney fight, but at the same time, without using overt swear words or really racist tones, they do it in a way where you feel the impact. You feel the the harshness of the situation, and they didn't have to go to that rated R, you know, kind of feel.
1: Yeah. One thing I did really think was interesting about that movie was also the way they use, like, the coach's daughters to sort of really, you how these are little kids and they're not used to, like interacting with people from different races and then sort of growing and becoming more like close to each other. That was also a good way to tell the story.
3: Yeah, that was cute. That was definitely a nice touch for sure.
1: All right. I'm up now. I'll do my first one for you. I will say, obviously I'm in the football mood. I'm I've been watching the currencies of hard knocks. You have not watched it yet. That's my recommendation for you. Go watch these five episodes of hard knocks. It's been a really good story. Get your, your tease of what the NFL world is like with, with the coronavirus pandemic. You have a lot of interesting characters between the Rams and the Chargers. Head Coach Anthony Lynn of the Chargers has been a revelation on the show. He's been a very deep person. They also have addressed a lot of the real world issues on on the show. We saw a Zoom call in the premiere talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. We've seen real life stuff seep into the show and very compellingly done once again. Probably one of the best editions of the show in years. Hard Knocks is my pick for the first thing I would go check out.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I, I literally haven't seen it. Since the Cincinnati Bengals season, which was a long time ago now. And the Raiders season last year, I caught bits and pieces, but not enough to say I fully engaged in the show. And it's something I have to, I have to just, you know, it's not that I don't want to watch it. It's that there's not enough hours in the day, but I've got to make time for hard knocks. It's got to be required viewing at this point for someone like us who loves sports and entertainment.
1: Yeah. I mean, hard knocks. I mean, to me, the peak was when the Jets were on because the Jets season, I think, was epic with Rex Ryan and all the characters they had on there. But, like, this one has been very, very good. And I think the Charger has more interesting than the Ram have, personally. But I think both sides give you play compelling content.
3: I remember the Jets episode. There was a line Joe McKnight, another RIP, unfortunately. Joe McKnight was throwing a tantrum on the field, and Bart Scott had a quip, something like, ah, he's mad that he got a pay cut coming to the NFL. And I just remember that, like standing out, it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of good stuff. In the jet one—you had that. You had Rex Ryan's. We're we're getting a goddamn snack. We had we had the Antonio Cromartie with his. Trying to remember the names of his kids. We had the Shake It There was so many good moments. Of the Jets. It
3: was the, the Cromartie thing got its own reality show spin off. So that shows really
1: how impactful it was. Indeed. Where do I go with your next uh, pick here?
3: All right, with my next pick, I'm gonna go with Friday night lights the television show not the movie i'm going with a show that i really really enjoyed watching and i love one thing i loved about the show is that from season 4 on it does what modern tv shows do in a way and that's kind of changed the landscape of the world you go from 3 seasons of these high school athletes and you go and follow new athletes through the same coaches, but a lot of the characters' lives change around them. Some drop out of the show, and then the ones that come in, Michael B. Jordan is one of them, really engaging, really entertaining, and it's honest because a lot of times, how many shows have we seen where you have high school students that essentially never graduate because the the, the theme of the show is they've got to stay in that world as long as possible, and, and Maybe not that they don't graduate, but Friday Night Lights does it in a very authentic way. And so many likable characters, Coach Taylor's a gem, Uh, his wife, his daughter, his players, all meaningful characters. And outside of season two, which to me is not a complete season, especially when the writer's strike happened at the time, take out season two, the rest of the show is a work. It's a very nice show.
1: Yeah, I do I do agree with that. I I've. I remember I caught the early season of the show. I kind of faded out towards the end, but like, I did appreciate the realism of the show, especially like their ability to sort of move on to certain characters. I, I do know the tropes of the high school shows, sort of keeping the characters around forever. They don't want to move on. I know Glee was a classic example of this, where they kept finding ways to keep the kids graduated on the show. Somehow. It didn't really work. Friday Night Lights did right, a better right. job with that.
3: And that's what I meant. You know, I, I know shows, do graduate the kids, but there's always some shoehorned way to keep them all involved. You know what I mean? So this did a really nice job of making it that coach Taylor is the main character, not any of the players and how the world changes around him, his teams and his family.
1: Yes, that's true. And I'm going to go to the movie. Well, next, I know it's kind of football adjacent because the main character is not a football player, but how about some Jerry Maguire? I think Jerry, getting a Jerry Maguire movie. You got the iconic catchphrase, "Show me the money." That's what the name of the pick is inspired from. This podcast, great movie from Tom Cruise, and "Show me the money," Jerry Maguire. I think it's a must laugh if you see must see if you want to get a funny but also uplifting like story about that's tangentially about the football world.
3: Yeah, I think you're right. It's football adjacent, but when I think Jerry Maguire, I do think football. So I think it more than qualifies.
1: Yeah. What, like, what was your favorite part of the Jerry Maguire experience? The Jerry Maguire experience for me was a long time ago. So <laughs> I, I would
3: definitely need to, I would definitely need to rewatch it with, you know, age appropriate eyes at this point. But the Cuba stuff, the Cuba Gooding Jr. Stuff always stood out to me as a kid. The fact that he played for the Cardinals really annoyed me, but I thought when I saw it originally, I, I really liked it. And, Tom Cruise is really good. He's really over the top in it, but in an effective way, his character has so many ambitions and goals and it's fun to just kind of track along with him and see what happens.
1: Yeah, for sure. And we are up right. I get you are up now. Also your last one, where are you going for your last choice?
3: No, with my last choice, I'm going with one of my personal fan favorites as a kid. It's a movie that I might've watched 4 million times. And I'm going with Little Giant.
1: Interesting. Why Little Giant?
3: Well, like I said, when I was a kid, I might have watched it a million times. I loved Rick Moranis as a kid. Still love Rick Moranis, although he's kind of out of the public eye now. The fact that the Giants beat the Cowboys in the <laughs> climax of the game, the underdog Little Giants beat the big, bad, bully Cowboys with Icebox and the Devin Sawa, that was a very 90s experience that is like a, a uh, time capsule for me. And that movie just hits all the check marks I ever want to see as a football fan. The Giants succeeding, an entertaining movie, Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill, and fun kid players. So that is my my favorite childhood football movie easily, so it's got to make the list.
1: I think that's a very good choice. I mean, I will admit, it's a little bit of a blind spot. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I do have good memories of that movie. It was a lot of fun to watch it. Definitely. Yeah. My last pick is a lot of ways I could go. I could go back to my Kevin Costner love and take draft day, but I don't think I'm going to. I think that's a little corny. I think I'm going to go to the documentary well here. I'm going to go with one. I don't know how many people are familiar with this. This aired back in 2009. I think it was like an NFL Network co-production with Showtime. It's called Full Color Football, the History of the AFL. It basically is the origin story of the American Football League, the league that that birthed us, the, the Patriots, Bills, Jets, the original AFL teams, and how they forced the NFL merger. It's a, I think it's an eight-episode documentary series, and I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. A lot of things I learned I didn't know about. Hmm. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's... It, it's it's hard to find sometimes. Like I think I caught the episodes on YouTube. I think about a couple of years after the fact, but I think it is on demand now. So that's one I would recommend. You have a, if, if a football historian mood.
3: Okay, yeah, I, I thought you were going to go with the league because I know you're a fan of the league. So I'm shocked you didn't go that route.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I talked about the league last week. I didn't want to have to rehash the same points over and over again. <laughs> and one one that I had on my radar, but I did
3: not see enough of it. Like, I liked what I saw, but to put it on my list would just be insincere, and that's Blue Mountain State.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Like I said, no, I appreciate the honesty of the fact that you said you haven't seen it enough of it. And I'll throw a couple more honorable mentions out there. It's like, obviously, like, like OJ made America's football adjacent, but it's really about OJ, so it's not really one that I think that qualifies for this list. I think any of the thirty for thirty like football documentaries, especially the college football ones, like the U, are really really compelling. Or you don't know Bo or the the Bud or the, the the Marcus Dupree one were all very good. And I think in just in general, like if you like like football documentaries, like NFL Network's of Football Life, is a good job diving into the stories of like individuals in the league.
3: Interesting. Yeah, I gotta check it out more. I, see football. I definitely know more baseball movies. We've talked more baseball in the past, especially documentaries. I gotta I gotta I gotta pick up my slack when it comes to football documentaries for sure.
1: Yeah, plus it's like we're getting we're gonna keep knocking on wood if they get through the season without any major issues, but like there's always a chance that something could shut down. And then these are something you know, like I can fill the void while you wait for football to come back.
3: Absolutely. And and one thing, you know, back to this season coming up. One storyline I'm paying attention to, especially, is non-COVID early season injuries. I think they're going to be a lot. And for fantasy owners, they've got to keep an eye on it. And otherwise, the teams are just going to have to have depth. And depth is going to be so key for these franchises because we see it in baseball. There's a lot of parity. And I think that could be the case in the NFL as well.
1: Yeah, you're telling me. I'm a Jet fan. I'm basically sitting here like watching the whole summer, where basically like their receiving core is so desperate. I'm half expecting to get a phone call as to go out the floor and park and suit up in about two days. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. It's pretty, it's pretty nuts. And I want to thank you for hopping on. Before I let you go, do I do want to acknowledge the fact that we do have a Big Brother All Star draft going on. Like we did it with you, me, our like our golf guy Dandy, Martina podcast, and your and one of our uh, mutual friends Jorge. We did it offline, it's on the blog, and I will say, this season, off to a bit of a slow start, I think it's going to start picking up shortly. I think once,
3: first of all, we're getting rid of all of the unpopular kids in the school. Yes. We're getting rid of all the people that nobody really wants there, as unfortunate as it is, because us as fans, we're loving loving everyone that's getting knocked out, aside from uh, the way Nicole Anthony played this season. I mean, fans wanted to see Keisha hang around a little bit more, and obviously Janelle and Kayser are all-time greats in terms of fan favorites, and they're all gone. And it's just unfortunate, but at the same time, when you watch Big Brother, you kind of expect these things. And once this giant alliance kind of starts to self-destruct, and I think it's coming relatively soon, the show's definitely going to pick up steam, and it, it has to with the cast of characters they have. It just has to.
1: Yeah, I think for me, the thing I'm keeping my eye on here is I feel like there's like a brewing civil war between the Tyler side and the Cody side. I feel like those are going to be the real combatants here, which are going to drive the rest of the action.
3: It would be amazing for Tyler, who is probably the most beloved fan favorite that'll still be in the house once Kayser leaves. And and Mama Day, Devon, and Tyler could probably fight over this. But I think Tyler is probably the most beloved fan favorite, and if he's the one to take the shot... At the Cody, Nicole Franzel Danny group and say enough's enough. I'm taking over this game. That would be ideal.
1: It would be a lot of fun. I will say. I'm, I'm hoping the season picks up. I have faith, but we'll see what happens there. Alan, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go. Thanks for I, having me, Mike. Before I let you go, I can people follow me on social media and keep up with some of the stuff you're up to.
3: Sure. On Instagram, it's Alan Austin Sports, A-L-L-E-N-A-U-S-T-I-N sports. And on Twitter, it's at Alan
1: underscore Austin, underscore. That sounds good. You want to talk, give, give a little plug for the Alan Austin show too.
3: Yeah. The Allen Austin show on YouTube. Uh, you can just search the Allen Austin show. We have five episodes in our last episode was with a uh, professional golfer, Hannah Arnold, who's currently in the top 10 on the money list of the WAPT. And our next guest will be former major leaguer, Xavier
1: Scruggs, who played with the Marlins and Cardinals. So keep an eye out for that. It was a lot of fun to to have him on. Yeah, definitely some good guests coming on the Allen Oz so Be sure to check that out. Alan, thanks again. Thanks, Mike. All right, and that will do for this week's show. I want to thank my guest Mike Sando from the Athletic for calling in to talk all about the NFL. Fun preview segment there. I want to thank Nick Frayada for calling in as well to do the NFL picks for week number one and the great Alan Oz. If you just heard breaking down some pop culture stuff and some good football material gets get you more hype for the season as it approaches on Thursday. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my takeaways from week one of the U.S. Open, don't forget that's still going on. No fans at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center, which is a bummer for me because I go every year, but fun event nonetheless. Check out the blog over at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. Simply search for Just End the Suffering on any of those platforms. You can find oral episodes there as well. Go back in the archives. Check out our content, including last week's fantasy football preview with Michael Florio. A lot of great stuff there. Check it all out. You also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mike Phillips on YouTube. I'll put the individual conversations in episode there. If you just want to hear me and Mike Sando talking NFL, that will be on the YouTube channel. Feel free to your feedback and star ratings as well. They'll make this podcast even better going forward. You Also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's mphilips331. That's m p h i l i p s 331. Give me a follow there. We can keep the conversation going off the air. And up next, we're going to recap Week One next week with the great Joe D'Aluisio, the host of Shark Chatter Podcast. Week Two picks and more. Until then, football's back, everybody.